Welcome to the 14th edition of the Ref Pod. We're back now, two weeks on the bounce. Me, Little Wayne, and Martin Cassidy from Ref Support UK. We're here today. We're doing a little bit of a special today. We're going to throw in a few curveballs at the end, um, but specifically to start with on the pod today, we're going to talk about how this pod was formed, how it actually came to being a thing, uh, and how us three got to, to kind of know each other through the creation uh, of something that I put together, started off middle of last year, uh, been nearly a full year, really, since getting the idea, putting it together, and actually getting it out there for all of you to see it. If you're listening to it on, I don't know, Spotify, Apple, you'll have probably heard an intro um, about a documentary that I've done um, called No Ref, No Game, a grassroots story, protect and respect the referee. Um, it's something that worked really hard on. Um, it took me about six months from start to finish to make it. Um, and we want to talk about that today, how it came about, where we're at with it, um, who's seen it, the feedback that, we, that we're that we hopefully going to receive from it. I've had, I've had some good stuff come back so far. Um, so it's just to literally highlight that, talk about it. It, it is kind of the, the, the starting point for for the journey of wh- where we're at right now. Um, and I'll let you a, a little bit of info behind it. Um, Wayne is obviously um, a committee member at my club. Loves the sound of his own voice, a bit like me, and, and fancies himself <laughs> on the camera. And um, he agreed to do the pres- presenting because I couldn't do it all. I was literally doing sound, video, writing it, putting it all together, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I needed somebody um, to present it. And he did a fantastic job. Uh, and I've thanked him multiple times for what he did. But to give it credibility, to give the documentary credibility, we needed to get a a well-recognized face from authority, which is where the beautiful Mr. Martin Cassidy comes into it. Um, and And I'll give you an idea as to how open and honest and how hardworking Martin is. And I'm, 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 I'm bigging up a little bit here, mate, because we'd reached out as you'll see on the, on the, on the documentary to loads of organizations, FA league officials, uh, referees, um, they wouldn't step forward. They ignored my av- advances. Then when I eventually got a league official to come on to the documentary, they then got told they weren't allowed to do it. They were kind of shot down and stopped from doing it. So they had to pull out. And I was thinking, well, what, how am I going to get any credibility here? And it was just by chance that I heard Martin talking on TalkSport. And I thought, oh, this this sounds like the guy. I contacted him. Um, I'm, I think it might have been the same day I heard him, actually. And responded pretty much straight away, didn't you, mate? Um, got back and 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 we arranged a phone call, sent the email, and and went from there. So, in terms of the the, the ref pod, all of a sudden this this not the ref pod, the the documentary, all of a sudden it, it gained real weight and momentum uh, by you agreeing to come on. And I guess I just want to. I haven't really spoke to you much about it in depth, mate. Even though we've known each other for quite some time now. Just your thoughts on, on when you first heard of what we wanted to do. Obviously, you've seen it now. Your thoughts after you've seen it. Um, just just a rounded opinion of it all, really, mate, and how important it is. Um, well, first of all, I, I, I get um, I get people asking me all the time to be on stuff. I get it every other day. And in the beginning of that support, I would literally do every single one of them. And then I found out that People would ask for my time, which I don't mind giving, to do something on on like what you did, a documentary, and they're normally doing it for the university dissertation or whatever. And then I started getting a bit more savvy with it because I give me time up, which I genuinely don't mind. You know, it's, it's and it helps the cause a more for. Then I would never hear nothing from them again. I would never hear. Here's what it looked like. Here's where it went. Here's how I did. Even follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, and I just found finding it all a little bit disingenuous. I found a lot of them. I was getting a little bit pissed off, thinking, "Well, yeah, yeah, I'm committing to the cause and I'm giving my time up." And and then you can't even be asked following us on Twitter. So I started having this like, "Right, this is what I'll do." Someone applies to me, I'll go right to follow us on Twitter. Oh no, no, I'm going here. Oh no, 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 that's the wrong answer. <laughs> that's the wrong answer. And then it's things like that would happen. And then I I, I went from doing. Oh God, 10 a year to, to being quite picky and choosy. But I always got back to people who who, who got in touch with me, then I'll, I'll test them. And a lot of them just failed the test. And and like you said, you got back to me. I'll always do it. Even the people who abuse me, I get lots of emails, threats, 
death threats or get them monthly. Uh, they normally go through contact at ref support. I'll answer every single one of those emails. Absolutely every single one of them. Because uh, I always think, feel as a charity, you, as a charity, you've got it. Um, sorry, it's a phone court. It's not the hotline, so that's all right. It's just another ref who I know is fine. Um, and um, I, I, I just, I just felt with you when you when you is your one. I just felt a real passion that I hadn't heard in anybody else. So obviously, I always phone back and stuff like that. And normally, you can tell by you know phrases they use. You can tell they're just doing it to take a box for their dissertation. They're not doing it because they genuinely believe in what the documentary is about. And it's easy to smell that now. That I'll only deal with the people who I know want to make a difference. There's more after the documentary, like what happened to us. You know, I said, what do you do? And you said, do this. And I said, well, actually, I used to do a pod. that when it, it, it was really, really good. But one of the lads ended up being going rogue and being a bit weird. He's still a bit weird now. He's getting... Charged by the FA, he's been charged more time than a Tesla, and which I'm pleased that I'm not doing podcasts with him. And, we, and then we developed you, and 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 you too, and it's just become what it is now, which is far better than it was, far more engaged than what it was. And then when you when you kept going on about your your documentary, didn't you? I'm going to do this, and then I could see you were really diligent about it. And when I watched it, I, I, it was really different. I could smell the passion, I could smell the belief from Wayne. I could see how much time you'd put in it, the other way, in producing it and everything else. And, and I'm really, really pleased with it. The best one I've been involved in, I'm just saying that because it's you, because you know what, I sent, Wayne, I sent Waz a message saying it's definitely the best one I've been involved in, 100%. To such an extent that I'm gutted that because of what I've done in the past, I got a little bit weighing down thinking, another podcast, I'm never going to see this. And I was really like this and the, I never, I had the chair one way and I had no light like I've got now and never had a microphone like I have now. And I feel like I haven't done it justice. I feel like the stuff I've done with you on, on that documentary, so good. I feel like, yeah, my content might have been good, but the way I delivered it, I never had a mic, I never had a light and I was a bit laid back. I felt um, I felt like I let you down a little bit there, mate, which... Uh-huh. Which I feel like moving forward, which is why you know we got behind it because I really feel like it's got, you know, I've sent it to Sky, I've sent it to the BBC, I've sent it to ITV. These things don't happen because they're all busy people, and that's an hour long thing. So I'm not expecting expecting a quick reply, but I think it's great, mate. And the more that people do it, like you do it, where you can smell the grassroots in you, I think you're the first person that's come to me that's actually been doing grassroots rather than some student who thinks. Which I'll do my dissertation on. Oh, I'll do a lot of abuse. And then they go, I heard you on this like you did. You had this. You both have. Both have. Yeah. You've both got, and so on to both of you, you both have got this passion and drive for grassroots football. You can't You can't fake that. You literally cannot. You smell it. And I've always said with her, you can't, you can't sell perfume on a Zoom meeting, can you? Do you know what no. I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you can, you can sell passion. You can sell a subject like this. And and you two, you know, with the first phone call with you was the just it just oozed down the line. And I had this vision of you being like this little, you know, 19-year-old lad, because you, you were that enthusiastic and it was just bouncing off the phone, do you know what I mean? So when I first got to do it, I was thinking, you know, you know, he's not a 19-year-old student, do you know what I mean? So all the box stickers were, were great. And the way Wayne comes across and is presenting, it's just clear to see that, you know, this is a heartfelt, well-researched, well-delivered, well-produced. And well made documentary, which I is why the fact that I nearly bust into tears at the end of your interview caught me. <laughs> <laughs> was, you, yeah. was you aware of that that it were tearing up at the end? No, yeah. no, I wasn't. I wasn't because it, I'm a bit desensitized to it all now. It's 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 like I'm dealing with it every day. Like that phone call you just had then, that's from a referee who uh who has a problem, but I've sorted it all out. I know he's fine. He's probably just phoned up to tell me what's going on. Because that's that's come through the hotline, I guess diverted to me because I take all those calls. So, uh, but but I I know I know when you when I talk to people I might be a little bit hardened to it and you say to but you both say to me how do you cope with your Twitter accounts I just mm. find it funny I just find them embarrassing they're all doing even the ones who think they're making me look bad are doing exactly what I want them to do they're continuing the conversation and if you remember on talk sports over the Jermaine Jennings and Simon and uh, Jim White said to me. Do you want do you, do you want him to apologise to the um, to the referee? Do you want him to apologise, Jermaine Janice? I, I went, I went, I went. No, I don't. I don't because that's I don't want him closed down. I want the conversation to carry on. 
Then lo and behold, he doesn't say he's going to take that tweet down, but he takes that tweet down. That's yeah. all I wanted. And when you see all these from Darwin Football Club to all these other football clubs, just take the nonsense down. Yeah, Let them I, do I, it and not saying anything back to them. Mm. It stays up there, doesn't it? I, I wanna, look I, I wanna, yeah, and I agree with you. I totally agree with what you're saying. And and I think this is stuff like this and doing the pod around the documentary. And if you've watched the documentary, you'll see on there that we do highlight Martin's hotline uh, or Ref Support UK's hotline uh, for ref abuse, which is open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And it's just you that um, manages that and deals with it all. So when people come at you and they think you're coming from a wrong angle, I think a lot of people don't realise actually how much you put into it. And I just want to touch on the fact that you feel that you let me down. I can assure you right now, when we finished that interview with you um, over Zoom, we didn't feel 1% let down by it all. We, I actually come off of that and I was like, wow, he has just took this documentary from... You know, it's just some randomers talking about the 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 experiences in in grassroots football to the next level, to like a level that that we could have only dreamed of, or I could have only dreamed of when I started, first started putting the idea together. I know what you're saying; the audio wasn't great, but when I I, I looked at this and I, I did my research around um, people that have included Zoom interviews in documentaries. It's kind of accepted by the audience that the Zoom quality level of the audio is not going to be great. So it's if I'd have been having that face-to-face conversation with you and the audio been that poor, people would have switched off. But because it was over Zoom, apparently people accept it and 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 don't even pay attention to the fact that the level of audio isn't that great. So from a perspective of, of what we tried to achieve or what I tried to achieve with it, you sent it into the stratosphere, really. And I think that comes across in, you know, we're building up a picture to say how bad it is. And then all of a sudden we get somebody kind of in authority like you are, um, who's actually backing up everything we say and more. Um, And I think that for me, that was just, it was so, some of the stuff he said was so powerful. And I can remember, I was stood behind Wayne filming when Wayne was asking you the questions. When you said about, you thought somebody was going to get murdered. That sent shivers. It does now when I think about it. That sent shivers up my spine. It would. It was just so mind blowing that actually, yeah, you're right. You know, somebody could go to the to the maximum level of abuse here and and kill somebody over a game of football, over a decision or not a decision. And which, do you know what? Do you know what? I um, I, I felt that way for a long, long time, but I, I purposely never said it on on camera or on a TV interview or on. Anything press never said anything for years, absolute years, because it's an easy thing to be viewed as sensationalizing it by just going straight in. Someone's going to die. Let's talk about it. But I, what I wanted to do is, is that I wanted to show the evolution of it. There's a, there's a, a thing you have done on my blog um, about me being a criminal as a kid, robbing cars, doing all this stuff, and then how that started was, was I used to take the signs off the back of a car. You know, like, you no, know, like, used to do the um, Beastie Boys had like Volkswagen chain and the neck. Well, I used to collect all them Ford, Vauxhall, nail them to me, bedroom door. And I had loads of them and no one said a word to me. None of my brothers, big, big, big family from a real, you know, poor council estate in Liverpool in Anfield, not far from under the lights of Anfield. No one stopped me. And then, of course, I started like getting the boot of the car and taking tools out of it. And then I'd see if I can take the radio when I was with the radio. And then, I think I could take the car. So the whole evolution of me becoming a car robber before the age of was 15, no one stopped me. No one addressed it. No one pointed out it was wrong. And that's what I've always done with the ref abuse. If uh, So I view the taking of the signs off the back of the car is the social media tweet. That's the first step. The, 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 the taking the tools out of the back of the car is the shitty comments in a bar that no one really... Just as normal, everyone just finds funny as you're walking out the bar or in the car park. And then the taking of the radio is like someone threatens you. And then the car crash of taking the car is when someone beats you up. There's all stages within we get to the assault where it could be stopped. And I can I can clearly say with that we can do it with drugs, people starting earlier. That's what this is about, going after people on Twitter and saying, hang on a minute. <laughs> do you realise what you just said? We had it with that lad who called us little Hitlers. Hey, mate, do you know what you mean? When you call us little Hitlers and you've got the flag of David, the Jewish flag on your on your Twitter, 
And you're just called us little littlest. Do you oh I'm so sorry? Big apology, all gets taken down, private messages. It's this, they're all acclimatized to abusing us. So they don't realize what it does. There's a lad, a man United lad, a big a big um blog, ginger bloke, who's just announced an apology just now. He's got about, I don't know, 200,000 followers. Because at the Everton game yesterday, with all the protests, which, you know, Everton's got all that problem with points deduction. He was he was on his, on his selfie video with 100,000 followers singing Feed the Scousers, Feed the... Not realising what that was doing. Yeah. Now, that's about poor people. That's about poverty. Mm. They're taking a the piss out of poverty. So, of course, he then realised he's quite well known. He then has to do a big... Oh, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. But that's a good a good excuse of why we need the conversation to start. Why is it being desensitized that no one understands that? Feed the scouts, sign on, all that. It's all about poverty. And poverty is not just Liverpool. No. Poverty's Manchester, poverty's Birmingham. Yeah, it yeah. never was just about Have you been? Especially in this day and age, you know. Um, it's rife now. Hmm. And that's why I do it. That's why I link it. And that's why I always go at it. Because I know it's working. Did I, did I ever think from a council estate in Liverpool that I'd end up working at Wembley, that I'd be able to go to Premier League grounds and do what I did? That I'd be have an exclusive in the Times? For fuck's sake. No, I never. I never ever dreamt that that was going to happen. As a teenage dad, you know, not, not long after school, and I'm, I'm a father, and not long after that, I'm married. Not long after that, I'm divorced, and I had to move away, you know, 200, 200 miles away from where, because of the me life I had, and because I always wanted the time to fix it. So when these people give us loads on Twitter, ah, you know, what does someone call me? A fanboy, didn't he? A referee fanboy virgin. He said, he said to me, and I was thinking, this is it. This is it. You all think, you all think, none of us have had, ever had to fight. None of us have got mates. None of us go for a pint. They all see us as just like, you know, little person in the corner with no mates. And I think the more the discussion happens and the more they see me go back, sometimes with jokes like I did with Neil Warnock when he called me the three-wheel van of ref support. Oh, yeah. So I put that yellow van up and he tweeted it. <laughs> there you go. Do you know me? People realise actually, actually, now we're getting somewhere. He's retweeting me at Neil Warnock after I've battered him for so many things. And I think that's that's what we need. We need the conversation to continue. And your your documentary time about the discussion here, it's an it's an important piece of what needs to be said. It's yeah, a very, very important piece. It is. And I think the feedback that I've had from people who watched it so far have, have, have been about the message. Yeah. About, you know, hammering on that this is real. This is not fake. This is not. This is not just happening, you know, randomly, you know, rarely across the country. This is, this is football fields near you every, every Sunday. And I could, I could literally fill them with so many stories about what I have to deal with as a club chairman on a, on a, on a weekly basis. But I just want to move Baz, on just to, just to Wayne just for a before second. Before you do, mate, before you do, Waz, I yeah. just want to ask Wayne something because obviously people who are listening might not have seen the document. So you produced it, you've done everything. And and the other Wayne is, is is at the front of it. He's front of house. Now there's a piece in it. If anyone's listening to this podcast, that I actually say, check it out. It's on our website as well. Um, if, you, if you want to get easy access to it, there's a piece in it where Wayne is is talking to a young referee in, oh, in this house, Luke. Luke, who's how old is he, mate? Uh, he started refing at fourteen. Yeah, 14. We were talking to him at 15. fifteen, I think. So explain what happens when you're talking to him. Yeah, well, camera, before happens? you do, I want you to do that. What saying, but I'm just going to ask you, I was going to touch on that and say, when I approach you, just explain a little bit what, what you thought, what you could bring to it. And like what Martin said, because I was watching your reactions to the stuff you were being told all the way through this, not just from Martin. So, yeah, you know, the, the Luke thing. Yeah, elaborate a bit on the Luke thing. The Luke thing's a real, Luke thing's really, really, it's a really powerful moment in that for me. I think the whole thing for me was... At the outset, you know, um, having had a brief bit of abuse myself, I thought, well, it's definitely out there. But then as we got deeper and deeper into the documentary to realise it's a real problem, to then see Luke, this 14-year-old child who on his first game gets surrounded by coaches, threatened and shouted at, a 14-year-old child who only wanted to make a game go ahead, who wanted to, you know, see the football, earn himself some pocket money, and he got that. And that, it broke my heart. It, I just, I just found it unfathomable. It's, you know, how can people do this to a child and then understand they think it's all right to do it to a kid, they're going to have no qualms at all about doing it to a grown man. Can we explain um, to our listeners... As you're talking to Luke and he's talking about what was said and 
what happens next? Well, what do you mean? Well, his mother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that came in ad hoc, <laughs> that. Um, yeah, that, that weren't even planned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That weren't even planned. She, she, she was just came there listening to it all and she was and She was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, she was absolutely fantastic. And she, she gave it such gravity to, to know, here's me standing at the sideline, listening to parents calling my son names, shouting off at my son and me having to bite my tongue. I mean, why should she bite her tongue, you know? But her having to sit and listen to that, I mean, you know, for a parent to hear that being aimed at their kid as well, that I think that was a big turning point for me in both the documentary um, and how I'm seeing, you know, the abuse with refs. And then we got to you. And, oh, that was shit. <laughs> no. Listen, go back a bit, go back a bit, mate. Go back a bit. Yeah, sure thing. Because I know you've got lots going on and you've done a lot of work with this. So, so I want the listeners to understand this. You're asking him questions and he's saying, they called me a C. They yeah. said F this. They said T that. He did it, did it. And then she she comes on camera, doesn't she? She sits yeah. by him to sort of... And she's shocked that her son is using these words in front of her. Yeah. And yeah. I could tell that that wasn't scripted, that. She goes and sits on the couch next to her boy. who's telling this lad, you, about what he's being called. Is it, yeah. when he's, I thought that was powerful. And I, I think that bit there, I think that needs to be a bit of a trailer, that, as well. I mean, yeah. that needs the editing out, describing what's happened. And I think that needs going up because that, to me... To have this kid using those words, it's unnatural to hear that kid, any kid using what to me it is on camera using the way he was talking about it. Well, we know these, we know uh, Danny, we know her anyway, you know, uh, through our club, and her kids are diamonds. She's brought yeah, them lads and really little me up, yeah, brilliantly. They would never use swear words in front of their mum. So you're right, mm. I think she was really well, shocked. Coming back to the script a bit, the only thing that was scripted throughout the entire um, documentary was the questions. And even then, they were yeah. loosely scripted, whereas Wayne would adjust them how, dependent on the responses that he got from the people that we interviewed. Um, so they, they would slightly change anyway to fit the, you know, the kind of discussion that was going on. So it was when, organic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was very reluctant at first to kind of open up on it. And I we stopped the filming and I kind of said to him, I want you to really elaborate on it. I want you to tell us exactly, you know, um, what was said. Don't worry if you use words that, you know, you wouldn't normally use, you know, but we want people to understand the truth. And that's when he did really open up and, you know, really tell us, you know, some of the, I mean, there were, there, I've cut loads of it out. Apparently there were, there were another one where he were, he were he'd been chosen to, do a line, run the line, running for a, line. That's right. An, yeah. an high profile game. Uh, I think it was like you know when you get to the final stage of the county cups and stuff like that, and he'd been chosen to um, um, to, to run the line. It wasn't him that that was getting the abuse aimed at him. I can't remember it was the other lino or the mm. or the ref, and the basically surrounded him, and he had to have an escort basically out of the ground. Um, you know, so so he weren't attacked. And this was this was just like you know was again just a grassroots game of football, and obviously that was one of his first games, and that frightened him. Or not one of his first games within his first season, mm. and it frightened him. And he and he, he laid them fears onto his mum, which is then why she elaborates saying, "I don't know if they're going to follow him home after after the game's finished." You know, and it's like it's a really important thing that you've touched on. I'm not sure you touched on it in the documentary or whether we touched on it since. The referees that you see that ref the pro games, they might live in I don't know Liverpool but be refereeing a game in London. These refs that are refereeing these games locally might live over the road from the field. So it's it's, it's totally... The, the safety is more compromised um, for these refs. We obviously load less money um, for doing something that enables us all to be able to get up and go and do the thing we love, which is play football. Mm -hmm. And what, what, I'm, what I'm not advocating for is I'm not advocating for a loss of passion. I'm not advocating for that. What I'm saying is that there's a line between passion and abuse and we have to understand. And I think even myself, I think anybody that knows me, you've picked up on how much energy I throw into things. That's me. When I'm into something, I I'm, I, I do bounce at it. I, I'm full of energy for it. And even I've had to learn to adjust the way I am on the sideline um, in terms of in, in my energies. Now, I've never abused a referee. I've never threatened one. I've never called him any names. You know, but I did, I have been known to become quite irate on you the question sideline. loudly 
Yeah, question loudly. Um, and whereas I've stopped doing that now, and, it, and if I've got something to say, I say to the lads, the decision's made. I want you to be a team that's known for being really good, really hardworking, but just get up and get on with it. You can't change his mind. So and, and let me speak to him, you know, at half-time or full-time. If it's a serious issue, you know, I can go over and say, you know, can you just explain this to, in a calm manner? You know, we're not saying you can't ever approach him and, and ask questions, but do it right and do it at the right times, um, I think is what we're saying. And, you know, bad decisions or wrong decisions, if if you think, you, there might not be a wrong decision, it's just where you're viewing it on a field, totally different um, viewpoint. You know, it doesn't give you the right then to start effing and jeffing and, Threatening them, and you know, in in some instances, like we're seeing the 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 footage, refs getting attacked. Yeah, you know, which is just, you know, the the one that really strikes home for me is that is the ref who has just stood there. I think he's having a chat to this kid, and all of a sudden he just hits him square in face, and it 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 makes me feel sick. I I mean, luckily for that ref, the the player stepped in and stopped him, but it was too late. The the damage Mm. had already been done. Um, and I think I think the message of it was, and I, I'm going to touch on another subject shortly, that we have to stop this at some point. You know, we touched on it last week about how many how many good referees are missing out on because they don't want to do it through fear of abuse. You know, you want the refereeing standards to get better. That can only happen, not only with good training, but having the right individuals. You know, if you cut off 50% of footballers that were playing football, you'd soon see a dramatic fall in the quality that you're watching at the elite end, because there wouldn't be as many to choose from. Mm. And it's only the same with referees. You know, it's only the same. If we want the best referees, we have to allow them time to grow and learn and, you know, improve. And if we don't allow them that, you know, I think it was a statistic, and I can't remember whether it was your mate of the FA we had on who said, or somebody said they don't make it, uh, there's a mass, uh, there's a massive number that don't make it past the first year because mm, of yeah. abuse. What we're missing out on. And some of them, some of them that don't, I forget, there's a term they use, people who take the course and then carry on refereeing. I can't remember, there's a term they use. No, there's a term they use. And uh, and that's quite low as well. And I think, you know, I'm actually currently in dialogue with uh, Danny Meeson, who's the head of referee in the FA, who said he's going to come on here as a guest. He's a dead busy man. About how we're changing the narrative in the small side of the game. As you know, we work in the small side of the game. And that very little is done in a small side of the game to support referees and use that as a way to get referees to go to 11 aside, and then use it as a way to support people who drop out of the 11 aside. Because you drop out of the 11 aside, they go off, I'm gone. But you might think, I'm going, actually, I'm going to meet you down at a at a goal centre on a Tuesday. Let's get, get a game, let's have a pint afterwards. And it's all those little mechanisms that I think has been missing. And because six aside is like, you know, seven nights a week, it's a no-brainer for me to create like, maybe even a five and six aside referee qualification, which would be a good little step or stone, wouldn't it, to see? So I think there's lots to be to be done there in, in, um, in that. I mean, I think that's what it is. If they, if they say, like, they do the course, but they think, oh, I don't really want to go with it, say, well, all right, instead of losing you forever, come and do some five or six aside games. We'll make sure you've got a mentor there. Because it's easier to mentor you on the night than it is at a weekend. Yeah, I, I think that's, most people are I think that's yeah. a big area where they're falling down. There's no mentorship. They kind of yeah. pass the course and they're left to their own devices. And I, I, I feel that's a massive, a massive, massive shortcoming. Um, whereas I'm not sure how possible it is. I'm sure there's enough money in the game to provide it. Uh, but maybe now it's numbers, mates. It's numbers. I've talked to them about this. It is numbers. A lot of them people who mentor and on are actual match officials themselves. So yeah. they can't do it at weekends. They want to, but they like their, they referee, like their refereeing fix. Whereas if you do what I've said or suggested, and it's been warmly received, is let's do mentoring at five and six side leagues. You can do whistle tone, you can do body language, you can do dealing with difficult conversations, you can challenge in situations, visual impact of how you look as you walk on, how you talk to other people. All be captured every night. Yeah, of the week. And, and you know, there's little things as well. You know, when we, me and you went to Bulgaria and uh, Romania when we were working on the, the six aside tournaments, Champions yeah. League and stuff. Um, you were heading up the refereeing and um, I was blown away by some of the stuff you said because obviously I didn't see it from the professional point of view like you said. There were loads of things that stuck out but just to give an example to the listeners of how a mentor could help a referee, one of the things you said to a referee was don't blow your full time. If if the game's edgy and there's a bit of, you know, to and fro in and there's, there's um, you know, they've got an irate set of players or bench or fans, don't blow your whistle. You find a whistle near them. Blow it as far away from them as you possibly can, because then you because then 
they're going to walk away from you off the pitch. Whereas if you blow it in their in their way as they're walking past you, they're going to give you loads of abuse and it could flare up. And that that I mean, you, were, you did loads of coaching when we were over there, but just as as an idea of those little tips like that could save maybe an incident. And yeah, you prevent it. No, you're right. You're right. No, I, I forgot you. You were there when I was doing that. Yeah, because to explain that in more detail is a lot of referees will have a game, high tempo game. Teams getting beat five nil. Referees give three penalties to them. Maybe sends off the captain, so they're never going to be made up when he finishes. And then what they do, they're not switched onto it, just probably because they haven't been told rather than the stupid or anything. And then they blow the whistle right next to the number five of the team that he's given three penalties against. He's he's booked four of them. He's, he's turned down a, a dodgy decision and all these things. That are, he finishes the whistle. Wait, what's, what is he going to say to that ref? To he or here? Whereas if he just looks around and thinks, I'm going to I'm going to blow my whistle next to that lad who scored a hat-trick. What's he going to do? He's going to yeah. shake your hand, isn't he? Yeah. And that stops the other people coming over. You know what I mean? So you've got an ally. And it's that little bit of nuances that I've always taught in refereeing at every level. It's just about thinking differently. But trying to prevent and create your yeah. own success. And I'm sure there's loads of little tips that, that you know, ex-pros such as yourself... But well, he's been given those on. pointers, isn't it? Yeah, to the next generation, to help them out. To, that might stop an incident. You know, well, I remember a few weeks ago, in. Wayne, when um, I took Max, he was refing a, a young people's game, and there were a guy star- stood next to me, and I, I thought I recognised him. I wasn't too certain, but then he, came, he approached me and he said, is, is that your son? I was like, yeah, yeah. He says, do you mind if I offer him some words when he comes off on uh, first quarter. I'm like, why are you a ref? I'm Darren England. And I know you you wouldn't be too chuffed about that one, Wayne, after it was, no, no, it you, was you, the week you, after the, the VAR incident. And yeah. I was like, oh, God, really? It was like, yeah. And each quarter, when Max came off, once Max had, had introduced him, Max were buzzing anyway. But he just gave him tiny tips, really tiny tips that made massive differences. Hmm. Um, I mean, one in particular... Max gave a free kick um, and, he, you know, we did the paces and set the wall up. And Darren said to him, when you're doing your wall, make sure it's either in the box and you're telling people you're in the box, it'll be an handball if it hits you, or out the box so you know that there's no argument. Instead never of on, the, on line, the line. Never on the line. Yeah. And Max was like, oh, I never even thought of that. You know, and, and mm. you've seen ever since then, if Max has given a free kick, he's making sure it's in or out of the line. Tiny tips yeah. from Darren England. I mean, you know, it, that was it, brilliant anyway. It makes, it makes such a difference. And this is what I mean. We should be offering these things to him to help him improve. But no, listen, I agree, I, I agree. Sorry, I agree. mate. I know we're, we're pushing for time tonight. So I've got other things I want to get out of this uh, while we've got the time. So just to quickly wrap this up, the documentary bit, this is how the ref pod was born. So basically, once we finished the interview with Martin, Martin said to us, how would you like to be on a podcast with me? And we were like, yeah, absolutely. When do we start? And, uh, then we've obviously kept in touch. Took us a few months to put it, the you know, cross the the T's and dot the I's as such. And then obviously the the ref pod was born. So this has been born on the back of the documentary, which and we're still now mm. pushing out the same message. Still trying to change people's opinions and behaviours yep. towards referees, and we're still doing powerful work, is what I'm saying. So it's it's been it's been a great journey so far. So that I, I want to wrap that up. If you want to watch. The, the documentary, it's called All One Word, No Ref, No Game, hyphen, a grassroots story. It's on YouTube. It's free. Uh, I'll see if I can put a link into um, this pod for you this week so you can click straight onto it and um, and watch it, which will be great for us. I want to come. I've got three things quickly, Mike, because I know you're pushed for time tonight that I want to I want to put to you to you both. We had Tony Harris on last week, Tony Talks. Um, Martin, you... I think you heard from him last week that I'm not sure if this is coincidence or not. Since the pod went out when he was um, promoting the fact that he wore a, a body cam whilst refing games uh, in West Riding FA, um, that his abuse had gone from getting abused quite reg- regularly to zero. Not just reduced, zero. Um, since the pod, which is a, less than a week since it's been released, um, West Riding's FA have asked him to stop using his body cam. Were you both aware of that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He sent me so, a message. I just thought we were going to talk about it tonight. So, as promised to Tony, um, I've approached West Riding's FA tonight for um, for him to confirm that this is the case. I've asked them to explain the decision, why they've come to it. 
And I've also offered them the chance to come onto the podcast, hopefully next week, um, to explain their reasoning behind cancelling him using a body cam at men's football. Because what we're talking about here is the guy's gone from having quite a bit of abuse to zero. Now, to me, this seems like an absolute step backwards, yeah. in my opinion. So I've asked them for, um, I've asked them to comment um, towards at the record. So quickly, both of you briefly on that thoughts. Well, I think straight away the comment that they will give will be no comment, um, and I think the chances of them coming on here, well, yeah, better chance of platting fog, mate. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I I've got a bit more faith in, than that, if I'm honest. And I'm, I've, look, I, how long have I fought for this? You've oh. seen on, uh, there was a memory came up on Facebook and, a, and I was on mm. the um, Keys and Grace show in, in Qatar, all about that day, McNamara with the rock, paper, scissors, which is another massive story. And that was, that was five years ago. And in that, I actually say, I talk about them changing law five to have the words, no, no cameras or electronic equipment. Now, that was purely from a campaign we, we were pushing to our body cams and we were getting referees just go and wear the body cameras see what he's had no one no one, well one lad got charged because we jumped on it they dropped the charge I know it's in the regulations and it, it we I also it'll be it'll be wrong for us as a charity to say go out there and do it I knew this was coming from Tony I think I might have said in the last podcast with Tony you're good you're, they're going to come to you next week I think I said it on the podcast because I knew he was because we've got a profile because the podcast with us, we got a profile. They pay attention to us. They all pay attention to us. I think they've been, they've missed the trick. I think they could have been so predictable. And but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they came on the podcast because what have they got to hide? And they, they are, they are complying with regulations that you're not allowed to wear a body cam. Whether whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant for us. We know it works. But where I think the clever move is, if he takes that camera off and he gets assaulted. What's he going yeah. to say? And who's that, who, who's that going to look bad on? Who's that going to look bad on? So it's like, it's these sort of natural knee-jerk reactions, which that is. Why do they have to put themselves in that position to say, everyone knows he's doing it. Everyone knows it's really positive. He's been on talk sports. He's been everywhere. Do you know what I mean? I would have just maybe been a little bit more cuter. Yeah, well. said anything. I, I, you know what I'm like. I'm, I'm. It's just off top of the. I think it's. It, I think it's shit. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I think somebody has to be a trailblazer at some point, and somebody has to take a stand to what's going off. Which I'm. I know we push for time, so I want to get these next two things in, which really quickly moves me on to my next <clears throat> topic in terms of being a trailblazer, in terms of making a stand when nobody else is, when they keep going. Yeah. Oh, we'll follow the rules. We'll follow what they're telling. We'll lead. We'll let them take the lead. Not anymore for me. Not anymore. I've had enough. And I'm talking from my perspective on an incident that's happened at my club this weekend that broke my heart yesterday. Mm. Um, a little guy that I know, um, a little uh, black Nigerian kid that's been only lived in the UK since March, um, started with my club in the summer. Is uh, a beautiful soul. Is a, a wonderful little, little human. Kid. Yeah, wonderful little human. Great little player. Yet again. We've had an incident, and I won't name the team because it's not fair because there might be good... Or I won't name the club because there might be good teams in the club. But this particular team I've had an issue with on quite a number of occasions. Uh, one of the times before I had to get the police involved because the coach threatened to hit one of my players, who were 11 at the time, had a, we had a massive racial incident yesterday where they were mimicking his accent. These were players on the pitch, parents supporting it, mimicking how he spoke because he talks a little bit different because he's from Nigeria, so he's got an accent, and eventually ended up using the words calling him an effing N. Um, I am furious, livid, beyond my wildest dreams as to how mad it's made me. Um, I'd love anybody to come down and witness my club, Sandal Beat, and I'll be, I quite happily put a bet on it, that in where I'm in Yorkshire, there won't be another club that is as multiculturally diverse as what mine is. I actively promote it, I love it. I love meeting people from different cultures, different religions, different colour, um, and bringing people together. I have great friends now through this club that uh, from different countries that, that tell me different things. I've, you know, I eat the food, we share good laughs. You know, there's so much that it does to bring it together. And this kid who's been in, in our country um, just over six months has been subject to this on a football field <clears throat> by kids 
of similar age, same age. And I, I've gone to town this morning. I've contacted, actually, it's West Riders FA that they're under as well. I've contacted so them. The same, the same, the same, the same, same club. Even, though they, even though they play the Doncaster League, where they are, they they come under West Riders FA. So I've contacted them, contacted my league, um, contacted the police because we know what player did it. I've told, listen to this, this is what gets me. I've told the league this morning that this is the third incident I've had with this team. Two against my lads. This is another under-13s team in my club. Brand new team, by the way. I spent yesterday afternoon speaking to parents on the phone and players crying because they wanted to quit football. So I took time out of my afternoon yesterday to ring them all up, to reassure them that I had the back, I will look after them, and I will make sure that this didn't happen again against his team. So with a committee vote, which Wayne will back me up on yesterday, I went to my committee at my club and I said that I refuse... The parents don't want to play this return fixture, the home fixture at our ground in March. The players don't want to play it. I backed them because this is not the first incident I've had with this team. I put it to the committee yesterday to see if anybody had have any objections to me refusing to play this game. Nobody did. The committee fully support it. The parents in the team fully support it. I've My reaction from my league and West Riders FA today, the league first and foremost, told me that I'm not allowed to cancel this fixture, that I have to play this fixture. And if I don't if I don't play this fixture, even given the circumstances, then my club will face a fine uh, or a, a sanction, whatever you want to call it. Um, West Riders FA didn't get involved in that. They did offer to send somebody down to the game. Um, my my response to both of these was, well, these these kids, from my experience, are not really bothered. Neither of the parents, so they'll continue to do what they want to do, um, whether you're there or not. Um, and now. As a club, I am taking a stance and no respect. Forget no ref, no game. No, don't forget it. We'll keep that one on the shelf or in front of you. But now I'm saying no respect, no game. So I have told the, the league this morning, I've told the West Riders FA that I will not be playing this return fixture at my place. I will not, for safeguarding reasons, I am protecting my children and my parents and my club. And I am taking a stance. And it's about time that clubs that allowed their kids and parents to dish out racist abuse or abuse in general, because it's all awful, but racist mm-hmm. abuse to me isn't just isn't just abusing the person, it's abusing everything that they're about, it's abusing the parents, the siblings, the grandparents, the history. There's a history in this world of, you know, some of these countries, you know, ha- what happened during, we, we know what period, the slave period and all that. And we're not just talking when you when you're abusing them, you're not just abusing them, you're abusing everything what that culture's been through. So it's gotta stop. It's a knuckle dragging 18th century ideology that should be dead, but it's not. And it's not dead because we're not educating properly, the parents are not educating properly, and there's not enough punishment to meet the crime. So to me, the best thing I can do is say to that opposition, we're not giving you our time to play a game of football that you love. We're going to quite happily sacrifice our game so you suffer. So I this is a message to whoever's listening that I want all grassroots club clubs to get behind me and back me on this. Now the stand starts here with me today. No respect, no game. The league can give me the, whatever fine they want to give me. They can put on me whatever punishment they want to give me. They'll get this back in response. My voice now carries weight through what we do as a podcast. Yeah, I am telling you right now that this game, I think on the 3rd of March, and I might even mark it in the calendar when we make an annual thing about showing respect to people, will not go ahead. And we will not be playing this game of football because I want to send a message back to these people to say we are not giving you our time and inviting you into our space to enjoy a game we both love. So we might both suffer, but we're suffering for the right reasons. You're suffering for the wrong reasons. And that's where I'm going to leave it with you on that one. Any thoughts? Yeah, mate. No, like you said, as a committee member, totally backed it. Absolutely 100%. I mean, you know, that the kid's not even in one of my, you know, in my team, but it still breaks my heart because of the incident that we had years ago with Lucas. Yep. You know, it's still out there. It, it, it needs crushing. It needs crushing hard. And, you know, us not playing that fixture fixture is telling them they don't deserve to be on our ground. They are not welcome and their attitude is not welcome here. We don't want a part of it. We don't want anything to do with it. Go do one. Yeah. 
So do you, now West Riding's involved themselves in this. One from the body cam, two from the horrible incidents that's happened. Can you ask them if that club's been reported before for similar offences? Yeah, the, the, the no. They, they have spoke to me today about that. They got back to me because... <clears throat> the, well, be careful, because they might have told you... No, no, I'm not going to mention any names. Basically, the coach that was coaching before um, who threatened to punch one of my players, honestly, right in front of me. I went, you can imagine my reaction, can't you? Hmm. Um, apparently, went through all this punishment. And the next time we played him, he was there on the sideline, effing and jeffing. And it was only a few months after. And I'm like, hold on a minute. This guy has threatened a kid, he's, you know, and now he's still here. He's not threatening any of my kids this time, but he's threatening all his own kids, saying he's going to do them if they don't do this and they don't do that on a football field. And I, and I think I might have told Wayne the story. I'd listened for yeah. about 20 minutes, first half. And I got to the point, I was sick of hearing the abuse. To the point, his own parents spoke to our parents and said, have you got any space in this club? Because I can't stand this bloke coaching my son anymore the way he speaks to him. Yeah. And I turned around to him and I just said to him, cover your kids' in. I went, will you shut the fuck up? And he went, who are you talking to? I said, I'm talking to you. I said, I'm sick of hearing the diarrhea, the, the horrible language where you're talking to these kids. I'm sick of it. Just shut up. Just shut up. I don't want any more of you. Just shut up. So I don't care whether you talk to your own players. It's not on. It's not acceptable. Shut up. And I reported him again. Now, they're telling me that he's gone. He's left the club. And apparently they, they did sanction him. But it's still going on. The, the culture's still there. It's still happening. Um, that club are notorious. But I think they kind of like their notoriety. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. I was going to be short-lived in it. I think I have got more faith in, in county FAs the more I talk to the to the FA. Is that like some county FAs do do mess up and not deliver FA sanctions and policies, procedures, and process, which then makes the FA look crap when really it's the county FA. Yeah. And I just think, I just wish, you know, if I was the person making that decision, unless it's come from the top, and I don't think it was up, to get in, so, in, so, get in touch with Tony and say, stop wearing a body cam. I would have thought, mm, we're, going, we're currently having a body cam trial in North Riding. And apparently it's going well. And we've got a body cam trial in Worcester. We've got one in Liverpool. We've got one in London. It's just... Um, Ignore it. it was a fishing. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. that, I, that's what I would have gone with that. Unless there's something else come out. But again, you just never know. Some yeah. county ways have got people in there. To be honest, mate, this, just this, this, the one, yeah, this one isn't I, really I against the, the county FA because it's not their decision in relation to games. Yeah, that's that's the league. That's Doncaster. I'm on about I'm on about the body cam. Yeah, yeah. I was just touching back on when you said about you got more faith in the county FA. My gripe mm. isn't really with the county FA. It's to do with the league saying that I've got to play this this fixture, and I've said no. But yeah, coming back to what you're saying about that, I totally agree. Um, and, and I think I think I think I think someone from from men would, would come on and if you know where we're sitting, because let's be honest, we all want the same thing. Mm. We all want a really you know positive experience for everyone in the game, particularly children when they're starting out, referees as well as players. And I think I think any help that they could get with profile and after they'd be they'd be silly not to do it. So maybe maybe they might come on board. I just think what you're doing with your club is brilliant. It's really really good. Looked at it all, and I think you know there's a touchline monitoring system you can use where you can use body cams on the touchline because body cams can't be used on the field of play because of law five. Off the field of play, you can. You can. I would I would say that's the first. Place to start, money, but mm. not if you have no straps that your phones in. Possibly, we mean the, the managers wear it. You mean, yeah, managers or it's someone who's who's a dedicated respect marshal in your club for each game. Mm. And there's nothing, there's nothing, absolutely nothing, to stop you doing that. Which is why VO as it exists. So you imagine you put a VO, yeah. no one says a word. No one says a word. Do the exact same thing on your chest with those straps that we've got made. Watch a change and have them walking around. If there's someone there, just walk around. As long as it's in a public land and you can say this is going to get deleted afterwards unless you do XYZ. Watch it change. Watch it change. Finally, because I know you've got to get off. This is a quick one. Martin, would you like to reveal the uh, final poll scores for should we put <laughs> BAR in the bin? Hello? 
Hello. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Martin has gone selected. Oh, battered in the VAR. Was I was the VAR. 61 the VAR. to 39 percent was it in favour of being in VAR? I wasn't dwelling on it that much, to be honest. Well, I am, mate. And I, and it was uh, what was it? Nearly three thousand votes you got as well. It was nearly three thousand votes. It was good. Please, the power of that. that, that and the overwhelming majority have told you. And then what happened? I don't know if people are listening to us more than what we know. Was it the day after? The YouGov poll came out and said 79% yeah. of people want to keep VR. Yeah. And he got slammed on TalkSport. And he heard Alan Brazil say he spoke to everybody he knows about this poll that's come out. And nobody has been approached to, um, to do the survey that YouGov um, are no. saying that it's allegedly happened. So I call bullshit on YouGov poll. Absolutely. As if the yeah, government is no, right anything think? that are trustworthy or not. Do you know what else I think, mate? Honestly, how many people said... They want to get rid of it, but if if they made little In adjustments, they would want it to stay. Mm. Change it a bit. Change yeah. it a bit. So, but the, but the voices are growing. They're growing week mm. on week. They're growing. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I agree. Goal line technology. And if the sort of sides out with the automated or semi-automated system, yes. Maybe another tool for VR would be to say let the referee use it when he wants to use it. Yeah. Opposed to them stepping in all the time to say. Blah blah, a bit like Ruby, because they say, "Can you? I've given a try, but can you check that it is a try for me?" You know, opposed to not, because at minute yeah. the refereeing, they're trying to re, they're trying to re-referee the the pretty much the the full game, which is no good. So if me if the the voices of get rid of VAR, put it in the bin, continue to rise, then hopefully they'll enforce the changes at least that we're all wanting to give us our game back. Because at minute, and I think to- that's the money shot. The money shot is it needs to evolve into a. Uh... A workable product, and currently it isn't, is it? No, not working, and it's killing. That's why I was surprised that so many people said to get rid of it. Genuinely surprised. Fair play, you call that one absolutely no problem at all. What But it's um, you know, like all referees, you have got to put your hands up and say you made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I made a mistake getting the podcast, but you two bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, no, I agree. I was I was shocked by that, and I, I kept putting out there. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And it's, you know, it's, yeah, fair play, fair play. So listen, guys, superb. I know it's been a bit different this one today. Um, obviously reviewing the um, the documentary. And then we've obviously just touched on a few issues there, which I'm hoping we get some reply from, which would be great if we could. Uh, if we get somebody from West Riders FA. And I think it's just a promise that we're not trying to get you on here just to string you up and make you look daft. We just want an honest conversation. I think that's what it is. I think people deserve an honest conversation around issues involving something that we, we're all passionate about. So if they do, they've got our number now. They can get in touch or email, uh, and that'd be fantastic. Anthony's also spoke to him tonight, and he's willing to come on as well um, on the same pod, which would be very oh, excellent. Um, so yeah, guys, super. Um, we're back, aren't we? We're good. Yeah, mm, we're on it. So we're done. Episode fourteen. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put a link into this somewhere for the documentary. Please watch it. Give us some feedback, or give me feedback, or whatever you want, Wayne, Martin, anybody. Um, we want to know that the message is hitting on. We want to know that it'll change some people's behaviours, opinions, uh, which is what we've done it for. Um, and if there's anything else you want to get in touch with us about, if you want to get in touch and be a guest on the show, if you've got a story to tell, if you're a referee, um, if you've got something that you need to share, a story you want to get off your chest, we're here. This is a platform to do it. Um, my name's Wayne. We've had the other Wayne. We've had Mr. Cassidy. Uh, and we'll be back next week, won't we, fellas? Take care, guys. Make sure you tune in. The Ref Pod on everything at the Ref Pod. Check us out. All right, guys. See you next week. Later. Bye.